Hey there, I'm Alan Furstenberg. And I'm Mark Tucker, and welcome to Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs, our 100th episode. dun fanfare, confetti. <laughs> you know, Mark, it has been amazing doing this for 100 episodes now. I know, um, it's, it doesn't seem like we've been doing it this long, but I, apparently we have been. Apparently right? we have, and you know, it's it's been a wild 100 episodes. I remember back when we got started, when Carol urged the two of us to to talk to each other and, you know, maybe do a podcast and see how it turns out. Yeah. Um, he, one of the things he said was, try it for 10 episodes. If you can make it 10 episodes, you'll probably last a little bit longer than that. So, so Carol, <laughs> here's to you. We've now made it 10 times that. Yes, we have. Um, and I gotta say, it's been, it's, it's been an interesting, Hundred episodes. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Yeah, we have, and we've gotten different uh, perspectives. You know, we we both come from a development background, but just different experiences, and you know, kind of focusing on different technologies. Um, so it's yeah, it's been it's been fun. I've learned a lot just uh, hanging out with you, and and it's been fun chatting. I've definitely learned a lot, um, and you know, it it kind of goes into it's it's been an interesting week. Um, we, yeah, it has been, <laughs> it has been, we record a week, uh, a week ahead of when the show actually airs for those who, who don't know. Um, so it's currently, it is, it is currently Thursday, uh, this Monday, the, the previous Monday, um, Google dropped the news that they were, uh, sunsetting. We'll, we'll use that euphemism. Um, the actions on Google conversational actions platform by the end of, by within one year. Mm -hmm. And this is largely the platform that I've mostly been talking about for the past hundred episodes. Yeah, it has been. And that's kind of like part of the thing that, that drew us together is you have a different perspective. You've got a lot more experience on, on the Google side of things. I have some, but you know, not as much. And, and you know, me mostly starting out on the Alexa side of things, and so, um, but things have changed quite a bit over the, you know, the the years since we started, and and this this last year, and then th this big announcement this last week. Yeah, but you know, and, and even so, um, I think one of the things we had talked about a lot for the past bunch of episodes was it felt like voice was slowing down. It didn't feel like there was a lot that was coming out. There was a lot that was you know, really newsworthy. Um, we mm -hmm. kind of settled into a groove and we're cruising for a while. And then last week, we said this, all sorts of stuff is going on. So yeah. it's always exciting. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> it seemed for a while that things had quieted down when it came to voice. And it seems like stuff is happening again. Yeah, it, it is. It's kind of fun. I, I, I like seeing that. I like seeing when the new version of something comes out and kind of checking out to see what's going on, which is... And while I was editing it, and I, I was editing this particular segment right after Google's announcement, I sat there staring <laughs> at it going, well, yeah, um, we said things were going to change and things are changing. And they have, yeah. And they have. So, you know, I, I feel like 100 episodes is a good time to kind of look back on the past 100 episodes of the stuff that we've talked about mm -hmm. um, 
maybe look back a little bit further into, you know, how, how voices evolved. And then kind of at the same time is look forward where, yeah. what are we going to do next? You know, now that uh, with, with conversational actions going away, what is that going to mean for the Google platform, for the industry? And, you know, what, what can people expect to see for the next hundred episodes? Yeah, no, I think that's a good topic. It's a, a great topic for our hundredth episode. It's just kind of a little look back and, and look forward. Yeah. Sounds great. So I mean, one, of, one of the first kind of ironic things to me is our very first episode. I feel like we kind of jumped in and we didn't really talk much about ourselves. We didn't really talk much about, you know, broad concepts. We dove in on two particular, very specific technologies. Um, and that was on, on the Alexa side, it was called? Quick links. Right. And on the Google side at the time, they were called uh, action links. And since then, they've been renamed to assistant links. And now they're essentially on the deprecated list, along with the rest of conversational actions. Um, but I feel like that was that set an important tone for us because we weren't, yes, we would eventually talk about big abstract terms and mm -hmm. concepts, but we also focused on important things. You know, how do we do things? How much have you seen quick links out there these days? Um, I've used them um, in a number of projects and I've seen them around not as much as I would expect. I don't think that they're really a secret, um, but I don't know that, that people are putting kind of that extra little effort into um, launch, being able to launch your, your, your skill in this case from a, a web link, um, though I, I, I find it would be very useful to do. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm kind of scratching my head on, on why I'm not seeing it more out in the, in the ecosystem, but uh, it is very handy. How about you? Well, I mean, I, I don't think I ever saw an action link or an assistant link. Um, and I think at least part of the reason was they there, there were implementation details about it that prevented it from being widely used on all of the platforms. You know, it, it wouldn't launch on smart displays, for example. So you, you, could, you could launch it to a smart speaker and you could launch it on your phone but you couldn't launch it to a smart display. So that kind of yeah, limited that, that a little bit. Limiting. Yeah. yeah. Um, on the other hand, I still, it's, I find it really disappointing because I think, you know, at the time we were coming up with things like, you know, mailing lists that would send out uh, quick links of, you know, here's how you can jump right into the skill and view the high score table or, right. you know, haven't seen you in a week. Uh, here's where you can link directly and pick up your game again. Or, you know, all sorts of, of different things that we could have done with it. You know, if you've got a puzzle, a game that has multiple puzzles, we've launched a new puzzle. Here's the link to that puzzle. Um, here's the link to that puzzle, yeah. Right, you know, one of, one of the things when we uh, built our... Um, or action is that I really wanted to be able to have an assistant link that linked to this week's episode or linked to a particular search term. 
But since it wasn't reliably working, that wasn't a feature that we ever rolled out. Yeah. You know, so, so I don't know. I, I agree with you. I think it's one of the features that are out there that have a ton of uses, but got very little yeah, untapped, use. untapped potential there. Yeah. I feel like there was at least one. Um, there were there were one or two skills at least that I, I feel like used it really effectively. That would like redirect you to a page, and when you were finished with that page, it would redirect you back into the conversation somehow using them. Was that was that something you did, or was I don't I don't remember the details anymore now. Yeah, I know it's it, it is kind of hard to to remember the specifics and where where I've seen it, but. Uh... Yeah, I've I've used it mostly as just a way to to like advertise on 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 Facebook or Twitter and and have a direct link where they can click it and then either get a notification, which is one of the things that happens on the Alexa side, or you can choose a specific device to just go ahead and launch it on. Um, so that that's where I was seeing it as opposed instead of sending a link to the skill store, um, I was sending a link to to go ahead and just immediately invoke the the skill. Right. So I feel like for example, you know, one one of the one of the examples that I, that comes to mind now, I feel like is uh, Sleepjar had yeah. had quick links to a number of different audio specifically. So it's not just it was starting it up, but they provided links directly into specific sounds that you could listen to. Yeah. And that's a really effective use of it. Yeah, I would agree. So let's go back. I want to just kind of talk. I, I, I think I might have mentioned this before, but I started developing um, for Alexa specifically. I discovered that it existed in 2016 and, and started, you know, figuring it out and realized, that, well, I know JavaScript. I don't necessarily know know Node.js, but let's learn that. And I don't really know all the AWS services, but let's learn Lambda and then DynamoDB and S3 and whatever else that we've had to, to learn over the years. So, um, you know, one of the things that's happened to me over the years since 2016 is, is kind of retooling away from uh, .NET, C Sharp, uh, that enterprise uh, software, you know, Microsoft SQL Server um, and, and web kind of from a perspective of how you would do, you know, Microsoft, like ASP.NET and all that stuff uh, towards more Node.js, backend, voice applications. So that's been, that's kind of been a, a retooling on my side of things and then just growing in my knowledge of, of different things in AWS. Um, so that's, that's been kind of a change that I've experienced. Um, and I, and I did have an advantage when, when I first started out that, um, certain things happened in the right order, and I was selected as an Alexa champion in 2017, which led to my first startup in voice opportunity. Um, great in the aspect that um, I learned a whole bunch about how to create skills on a, on a regular basis and, and multimodal as soon as they came out and just a lot of different things. First startup experience wasn't good on some other levels. I felt like you know I was being taken advantage of or under um, undervalued, and that led to some issues. But it, you know, looking on the positive side of things, that was an, an opportunity to kind of take another step in. Then I kind of had to take a step out because there weren't necessarily opportunities for me. And then I got to like put my foot back in again. For, so, so we're doing the hokey, another hokey with voice. Is that what you're saying? I kind of, yeah, kind yeah. of was. And you know, I was 
doing stuff on the side, trying to learn and, and, and grow more on things and, and refine my skills until, you know, now I've been at, at rain agency for a year and a half, and it's just been a really good opportunity. Lots of, lots of new things, lots of exposure. We'll kind of talk about that when we get to the forward facing, but, but uh, you know, 30 plus years in software development, it's a constantly learning process, but, but it's changed over the years of like where I focused, I was really focused just on Alexa. And then, then I, we, I had a project where we also wanted to do a Google action, which then led me to Jovo, which then, you know, led me to all the, all the experiences that I've, I have with that. So there's, there's been a whole, a lot of things and kind of in there a little bit, I created a number of uh, um, capsules for Bixby uh, using Jovo as well. So I've got exposure to uh, a number of different voice assistants that allowed you to write custom applications for them and, and kind of figured that out. Um, What's, what's been your experience um, kind of looking back? Looking back over that time, you know, in some ways it's uh, in, in some ways it's similar and in some ways it's different. A lot of my, my exposure, my broadening has actually come from my, my day job. Um, But there's definitely been elements to working with the assistant that have gotten me onto interesting different paths. It, uh, it certainly prompted me to do more with, with the Google cloud platform. I'd always done some, I had a little exposure there, but it got me learning more and more and more and more. Um, I think also for me, the big learning experiences that I got were more around how do I build things that I knew other people were going to be using without my supervision. So a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff that I do at work, um, you know, we're, we're a pretty close net company. So stuff that I do, my coworkers all know about it and, and we all pick up what each other is doing. Here, you know, when I started work on multivocal, my kind of goal for it was this was going to be a library that was out there. And yeah, I'd be contributing to it, but I didn't want it to be my project. I wanted this to be a community project. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot that I kind of knew in my head that it would need to do to do that. And I still underestimated how hard that was going to be to yeah. do it right. Um, and I'm not sure I have done it right. I feel like there's there's a lot that I learned and a lot that I'm still learning about how do I create a general purpose library that serves the needs for more than what I'm doing? You know, yeah. how, how do I build something so that somebody else can pick it up and hopefully pick up the documentation that got written for it? And get started. Um, I feel like the other big thing that I I really learned over the past hundred episodes plus have really been the power of community. Yeah. You know, when I got started in voice, I saw it as this really, really tiny, narrow thing. There was Google and there was Amazon and I was on the Google track and I was building this community in Google, you know, with, with people who were going to be using Google and I was answering questions on Stack Overflow and building a community there and answering questions on Twitter and building the community there. And when voice lunch hit, I kind of realized, whoa, there's, there's a world out there beyond you know, these little 
narrow tracks, you know, yeah. and there's conversation designers and there's, you know, all sorts of other resources to, to work with. And what I hope we've done um, with two voice devs is made it clear that all of these other roles are important and valuable yes. Key. Um, yeah. while still at the same time, keeping our focus on developers. One of the, one of the things that is really neat has been that I get every so often we will uh, get comments on YouTube or on LinkedIn and the person will say something like, yeah, I'm not a developer, but I follow your show to understand what's going on. And I'm thrilled when I read that because yeah. we're, we're honestly trying to do stuff for developers, but I'm really, really glad that other people in the broader voice community find what we're saying is valuable. So thank you to all of you who, who tune in. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, we'll, we'll say thank you uh, towards the end as well. But A number uh, of times, I'm sure. A, a, big, a big part of us being able to do 100 episodes um, has been the support of the community uh, in general. And, and you've mentioned, um, you know, Voice Lunch, um, Voice Global, the different conferences that, you know, Voice Summit, uh, Project Voice, different people on that we've met on, on Twitter and, and LinkedIn and just through social media. Some people I've never met in person. Um, there's just a lot of um, opportunities and people I've met through open source projects. Like, like you had said before, I've done more for open source over the last, you know, four or five years than I, you know, did my whole whole career and you know some of them have been projects that i've worked on and you know like like speech markdown uh, like you and multivocals like i really want to do this right and i don't i don't want it to be just my project i want it to be a project that other people use and in some cases that's been true and i've written plugins for jovo 3 and understood jovo 4 and writing pull requests for the core framework in jovo and and new plugins for jovo 4 and 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 sample projects and starters and there's just a, a lot of different things that that I've been able to you know just just work on and and it's all about being part of a community and and sharing and contributing and giving back and being positive to others and you know kind of helping when you know, when somebody's down then you know help them help them back up again and mm-hmm. yeah um, it's it's just been really great so go ahead. No, one, one of the great things also about working with the community is this flow of ideas that we start to develop, yeah. you know, so that when we're in voice launcher, when we're on LinkedIn and we're kind of, you know, exchanging ideas. And, and one of the things people have noted about you and I on, on these shows is that we have this great rapport and this very upbeat and, and we, we positively feed off each other. And yeah, I, I, I and I, and it's true. And I think that's what, you know, you've become a great friend over the past couple of years. Um, but I think it's also important to note that this is the kind of dynamic that really, really good engineering organizations have. Yeah, exactly. Is that you can get people who can disagree on things and agree on others and argue and debate and discuss very much like what I think we do here. Hmm. And at the end of that, you're coming up with better and better ideas. And you, you keep taking those ideas and you keep hammering on them. You know, so, and that's the, I think it's the kind of thing that we discuss here. And I think there's no better illustration of that than our 
series of, at this point, I believe it is seven episodes that we've talked about uh, CMS issues. Yeah. Um, it, it's so many episodes that, that we've dedicated a playlist on YouTube to it, to the subject. And, and this grew out of conversations that you and I had kind of had informally. Mm-hmm. And have, we've had on voice lunch a couple of times informally. And Peter Nan and Andrew kind of chimed in. And, and then we just launched it, you know, launched talking yeah. about it. And again, from the perspective of what we as developers care about this. Why do we as developers care about this? How do we as developers build this? Yeah, and I, and I think that will continue on. I think it, it is still, um, it's not just like a, a you know, hot topic today and gone tomorrow. I think there's a lot of work that needs to happen in, in voice content management systems and, and in frameworks um, in, in general that you know, going forward, I think we'll continue and I'll, you know, I'll th- we'll see, continue to see some improvements and new ideas coming in and new products and, you know, even going, going to some of the, the no code tools that I haven't seen, you know, touched in a, a while and looking at them. Um, I was looking at something today and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize they had this in here and just the, the things that they're evolving. So even though the tool itself is focused towards non-devs, I always think about the devs that are building this and how, you know, they're working with you know, product managers and you know, interfacing with other people to, so that the designers and the users that they're targeting will have a great experience with the software and be able to, to accomplish what they're, what they're doing. And, and, you know, they're part of the community too, and we learn from them and, and they learn from us. And so it's just, yeah. And, you know, before, really before we, before we go into the going forward, I feel like the other um, the other thing that I really want to kind of highlight, I hope, about what we've done the past hundred episodes is we do talk about a lot of technical stuff, but I hope what we've gotten across to people who are just joining the field, yeah. either the voice field or the software engineering field, is that you you belong here. You're welcome here. We want you and we need you here. Yeah, if you came from some other background, but want to be more technical, great. If you, you know, want to bring your experience from screenwriting or from, you know, English or from, you know, linguistics or whatever, if you want to bring all those different, you know, experiences in, then there is a, there's a place for you. There's, there's right. uh, things that we could only do if, if you contribute. And, and if you're a software developer, if this is, you know, you know, if you're just out of school or just out of boot camp or whatever, if you're just getting into this development field, you know, voice is a great place. And I still think voice is a great place. And we very much, you know, one of the things we discussed a couple of times is what our career, our, our, what our career path looked like yeah. and how we got from where we started into this voice development today. And I really hope it highlights to a lot of people that there are, there are multiple paths. And I hope when we talked about you know, discussing, here's what this technology means and here are some of the basics and here's some of the terminology that all of those episodes, I hope you really get the sense that, yeah, you can, yeah. You can learn this. I was mostly self-taught. I did graduate in management information systems, but it was more of a business side and 
not as technical, but I've I've been hands in uh, hands on on software development uh, since I learned how to program myself and saving things to uh, you know five and a quarter inch floppies or <laughs> you know so I've you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but it, it doesn't matter. You don't there. There are no roadblocks from from my perspective. I'm not here to gatekeep at all. If you're if you want in this field, um, for whatever reason, and you know if you're the the type of person that wants to to work hard during the week and do something completely different on the weekend, great. Yeah. Um, there's no reason that you, that you know everybody has to be the same. You can uh, you know contribute how you want to contribute, and you are welcome. Definitely, I completely agree. This is. I'd like to, I'd like to hope that programming in general is a welcoming community. And I certainly want to say that I think voice is a welcoming community. Yeah. And, and we're, we're here at least doing our part to, to try to make it as welcoming as possible. And if you're new and you don't feel like you've been welcomed either to the development or the voice community, let us say, welcome you you're here and we're happy that you're here. Very much so. So it's been an interesting hundred episodes. Um, yeah. I think the next hundred are going to be even more interesting, to be honest, but they're going to be different. Yeah. We are, you know, one of the, there were, there were two sessions at voice global this week. Um, and I caught one, I did not catch the other, uh, but one was titled basically what's next with voice 2.0. And the other one was essentially titled what's next with voice 3.0. <laughs> Uh, and I, I thought that was interesting that we had two people, basically, I, I'm assuming they both said this uh, similar perspectives saying, okay, we've, we've now helped people understand that you can talk to machines with mm-hmm. Assistant and Alexa. Um, and now it's time to take that and go the next step. Right. And I think with Google essentially changing their focus, they're saying where they think the next step for them is going to be anyway. So I, I, I guess now let's kind of turn to, what do, what do we think we're going to be talking about next? You know, because as, as you pointed out to me, when we started this, it was very much a, you know, hi, I'm Alexa and I'm Google and we're going to talk about voice. Yep. And I think things are going to change a lot. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Google's changing their focus, um, you know, maybe pivoting more towards their strength of um, the Android operating system and mobile. Um, and that's going to be, you know, voice plus mobile. And that's, right. you see you see that as well. You know, they're, they're keeping their smart displays and their smart um, speakers and you'll still be able to ask what the weather is and, and play music and the things that you typically, you know, work, could do before, but it's it's in some ways similar to what Apple's doing. You know, they they have a smart speaker device, and you can play music and you can ask certain things, but it really is about uh, voice and mobile. Yeah, and 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 not well, that it, Alexa's ignoring that either, because there's definitely new things that are coming out with I'm on this smart speaker device and I want to send it to my phone or. Um, you know, how can we have this interaction be better? So it's not that they're ignoring it. It's just that, you know, 
iOS and Android have have mobile platforms that are very you know strong strong ecosystems with a marketplace and stuff and so they're they're trying to play to those strengths. Well, I think that's what it is, is that everyone wants to make sure they have a platform and that they play to their strengths on the platform. You know, Google yeah. Google has Android and it's playing to its strength on Android. Amazon has Alexa. That's its platform. Yeah. And I think it's going to be playing to its strength on Alexa. And I think I think it's a good thing. Um, I think, you know, when on the Google side, I, you know, I can't imagine they're going to not have an answer for what goes on on smart displays and smart speakers for long. And I've, I have no insight on this, to be honest, but it just seems yeah. very, it, it just seems very strange <clears throat> that there isn't going to be something coming. And I don't know what shape that is. I mean, we, you know, we know that it's still going to be accepting, you know, it's still going to be uh, searching websites for content. They consider those third-party actions. It's still going to be accepting video and audio streams. It sees those as actions. And, and the information about how to do that is expanding and opening up a bit. Smart home stuff? Um, there's definitely smart home stuff. And, <laughs> and both platforms are going to see an explosion in that you know, in a yeah. few months when it comes to, to matter. Certainly, I think Google will have to do something to, to keep... It growing on these platforms and i don't know what that is but i'm i'm yeah. in some ways kind of excited to find out yeah and and i don't think those the, the devices are going to go anywhere because no the, the, know, why, the, why, yeah. if, if i have you know five alexa devices in my home why would amazon not want me to have those devices and be able to take advantage of um even if it's just the the retention and the feedback or, you know, getting notifications for orders that I place through, through Amazon. There's, there's lots of different reasons why, you know, any footprint that you can have in, in the home with a device is, is something that, that uh, is sure, that they're not going to want to give up. You want to encourage people to stay in your ecosystem. Yeah. Um, but I think it, you know, I think at the same time though, we're going to start seeing this expansion of independent or third party or whatever we want to call them assistants. We're yeah. no longer going to see uh, the assistant focused voice sphere. Um, yeah. So I'm, so, you know, here at rain, we call them owned assistants or custom assistants and, and they could pop up in lots of different places. It could be um a, a website that you're able to tap to talk or even potentially do a wake word to, to invoke. Um, it could be an Android um, or an iOS app that has an assistant built into that. Um, or it could be custom hardware. You could, it, you know, a speaker, a screen or some other form factor um, that has uh, the ability to, um, you know, explain, yeah, we, we talk a lot about brands like, you know, is it Nike? Is it so-and-so? Is it, you know, so the brands that we would know, but, you know, what would be a custom assistant that would be special purpose built for a brand? And what would, you know, why would you want that? What would be the information that you would use? And, and there's lots of advantages of having or why you'd want to build your own custom assistant as opposed to building on these other platforms. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think, you know, we'll, we can investigate some of those. Like now I contain, 
the whole pipeline, I own that. So the data that's coming in as far as what people are speaking or what are they're asking for is, is something that that is owned by the brand and they can start uh, looking at that information, find, figuring out what things are being asked that they aren't handling. And that could be new products or it could be new services. It could be just an extension of the, the assistant to handle additional features. Um, anything that would get more use and, and more retention and, and, and build a better uh, relationship with the, with their customer. I, I think the question that I have about these these assistants. And mm-hmm. I think it's great. I, you know, I think it's important and I think it's an important next step, but I feel like my, my question kind of comes down to, to two things mm-hmm. as a user. Why do I want this? And there are probably reasons and, yeah. you know, but, but that's gotta be an, a, an answer that anybody doing it gives as a user. Why do I want your assistant versus Alexa? Um, and as a developer, I want to know how do I integrate with your assistant if I want to? Yeah. Or even how do I build a custom assistant? So, um, yeah, I I think in some cases there will be specific reasons why we want uh, a specific brand or a specific, you know, a a custom assistant for something, but some, in some cases it's, they're just going to be in the things that we buy. You know, I don't have a washer or a dryer that has an assistant in it, but I could see instead of the knobs and all the trying to figure out that I'm doing this cycle and for this long, that I could just say, this is what I'm, you know, I'm washing a load of whites um, and they're extra dirty or I don't know, whatever. Sure. But right? at this, but at the same time, I want to be able to, on the other side of the house, mm-hmm. say, hey, washing machine, are you done yet? True. So, you know, it, it does come down to where, where, what's the user experience going to be like for all of these things? Yeah. Um, so, you know, if I, if I have a custom assistant built into my washing machine, but I have an Alexa in the den and I want to know where, what the, the status is, then, then there needs to be some communication back and forth between, between those. And that's that type of integration, I think, is definitely things that we're going to see in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, we could take a, a specific assistant and follow it, you know, from your home to your car, to your jog, to your, you know, wherever. I think that's one type of integration. But then there's a, this other integration across devices in your home or, or like in public and in private. Um, so those, those are types of things I'm sure right. we'll see in the future. It- and I'm also going to say that as the developer side of, of this, I want to be able to write the app that talks to the washing machine to know how much water is it using? How much energy is it using? Yep. Is it working efficiently? Um, and when was the last time it was maintained? Right. When was know, it? Yeah. Um, you know, certainly I can see as a developer wanting to do that kind of integration and making sure there was a way that I could, that, that I could build an assistant that talked to your assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's where we shout out to the Open Voice Network because they're Correct. they're asking questions like this already and trying to, to make sure that somebody is at least thinking about the answers. Yeah, definitely shout out to them. It's, it's hard because when you're, when you're working in dev and, and, and in tech, you're, you're trying to, in some cases, go deep and try to figure out exactly how do I do this situation. And, 
and you don't always have the the luxury or the ability to figure out, well, how can we do this across um, devices or across but What's distances? a bigger picture to this? Yeah, definitely a bigger right. picture. And I, and I think that's kind of, again, looking, looking kind of back a little bit, I think that was one of the, the, the problems that has plagued both Amazon and Google is they both wanted to get out there. And their first thought was, you know, if we have an app platform, we will be able to answer a whole bunch of questions that, you know, we can't anticipate right now. And I think what both of them discovered was, you know, there are a lot more questions that, that we didn't know how to answer. So we keep needing to update things to, to make it so people can answer them. And right. I think Google eventually said, you know, we already have a platform that does this. Um, and I think going forward, you know, for me, that's going to be one of the interesting challenges is I'm now, I now need to interact with a whole new community in addition to the community that I've been very, very comfortable with for the past few years. Yeah. You know, so I, I now need to reach out to people who have worked very hard on making their screens work very fast and uh, you know, have improved keyboard input and button input. And that's been their focus for, I don't know, how long, you know, however long Android has been out now. It's been 15 years or yeah. so. Um, and now coming to them and saying, hey, we also have this other tool now. And here are the lessons that we've learned over the past five years about building these things. And here's how you should start thinking about them as well. Yeah. Here's, here's how to take the lessons that we learned and apply them to the lessons you already have on your platform. And I think that's going to be an interesting challenge. And I'm looking forward to, to sharing it with folks um, here as well as, you know, Android folks. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking about like, like when I first learned Alexa, it was like, okay, I need to learn how to use the Alexa skills kit SDK. And this is how you take utterances and intents that Alexa gives you and how you do your business logic. And this is where you store your data in a database. And it was really all about how do I create an Alexa skill? And, you know, I was able to take that same approach. It's like, well, how do I build a Google action or a conversational action now? How do I build a Bixby capsule? Right. So you're able to take, take a look at and, and kind of like, how do I build this app on this platform? Whereas now, when you're looking at that custom assistant, you have to understand the whole thing. It's like, okay, wake word, wake word happens on the device. Lots of different possible providers to do for a wake word. Uh, let's look at cost. Let's look at functionality, um, and maybe like interoperability with other other components. Then you look at okay, well I've I've got either audio input or text input, and I need to figure out what the intents and entities are for that. And that would be your um, automatic speech recognition or your natural language understanding or your you know, right. I mean, even you know, it even goes down to saying, well, you know, we have you know, pre-built ASRs from various different places. Yep. Do we build our own ASR? Do we have enough training material to build an ASR? Um, or are there plenty of providers out there that you pick a right. 
Speechly or a Houndify or a Lex or a Dialogue Flow. Right. Do we go? A, do we go find the best one for our purposes and and incorporate with that? And you know, and then similarly for the NLU, do we? You know, which ones? Which one do we pick? Which one works best in our environment? Yeah. Is it is it Raza? Is it you know, is it is it Lex as well? Because you know you can. Some of these platforms allow you to take either text input or audio input, like like Lex, and so that's that that's our SLU, our speech language understanding um, piece. But but then you know what are the advantages of having the ASR on the client versus on the server? What's the cost associated yeah. with those? Well, uh, I, I but I think also the exciting part is that we also then get to say things like, well, okay, since I have complete control of this audio. Can I do things like sentiment analysis? Can I do things like tone analysis? Exactly. You know, what mm-hmm. what now since I can get access to additional stuff, what else can I do? And then the flip side of that is okay, I'm now getting access to all of this additional stuff. How do I keep it secure? How do I assure the user's privacy? What what risks have I just taken on? Right. And how do I make sure we earn uh the trust of the user and not abuse that right exactly yeah so you've you've got the whole pipe and you've got access to raw audio files and transcriptions and you know what what was said but how do you communicate that to your customers that this is what's what's happening with that information and and yeah you do want to be able to feed that audio back in to improve the the speech recognition but you also want to be careful on, on how you do that. So there's, there's definitely, you know, that, that side of things and, and, uh, right. So, you know, so and these... like kind of just to, to close the cycle and just on the, on the text to speech coming back, you know, do I use something like a, like a poly or, a um, you know, a Microsoft or a, you know, Google's got you know, some text to speech. Do right. I use what's built into the browser or the, you know, and what are the so, trade what are the trade-offs? You know, will I just be able to do text-to-speech? Will I have background audio that can go along with it? Since right. again, I'm now in control of this, do I go to a company and hire a voice actor? And can I use their voice model, their output voice model with SSML or with something? You know, once you once you're on your own, you can be way on your own if you want to be. And yep. I think it's developers. We are now in a, a seat where we can say, well, here's what the requirements are and here's what our options are. Let's. Yep. There's cost, there's trade-offs, yeah. whether it be cost or, or, you know, latency Time, or, or yeah. perceived, perceived latency or yeah. you know, there's, there's just all kinds of things that, that, and then it's like, well, we can break the seven second limitation, but should we break the seven second limitation? Or, you know, how do we, how do we trivially respond faster, but, you know, be able to come back and do notifications? Yep. Can we do notifications? How do we do notifications? Do we want do, to do, do out we of keep channel? the same paradigm of request response right. or is it, you know, can, can we do, do like something with WebSockets where we're communicating? Right. You know, how do we, you know, we don't need to do request response anymore. We can dynamically update search as we're talking. Yep. You know, we can, there's all sorts of things that we can do. Um, and I think it's going to be exciting that 
we'll be exploring that more and more and be able to talk about it more and more um, and see, well, what are the packages that we're using and how do we like it? What are the pitfalls that we saw in trying to use it? Um, yeah, and that's something also, because there are lots of companies that are specializing in each of these different pieces. And sometimes they have a, a bigger portfolio where they have a number of things together. Um, but do they give you the level of control for programmability that you need or, or not? Is it something where it's it's in the a, a different language than you're typically used to using, and so now now you have to compile and 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 run it on you know custom hardware, or is it something that you want to to you know put it in the cloud? And if you've got this custom assistant device that's going to go to different people, then then what is the mechanism for updating this device over time? And so now you've got this whole I've got patches and things that I have to send down to devices and oh no do I really want to do that do I want to do I want more of the code to live actually on the server so that most of the updates happen on the server and are transparent and not very much happens on the client so you know what kind of microphone array do I use in a custom hardware device yeah I, you know again I mean that's a great point is you know it can get into the hardware what is you know yep. what do we have when it comes to near field audio um what are our, you know, stuff that's off the shelf? What can we be building? If we're building IoT stuff, do we want a microphone built into it? Do we not want a microphone built into it? What are is it wired? Is it there? Bluetooth? Is it Wi-Fi? Yeah. Is it... You know, what what level of matter compatibility do we need, or do we need thread compatibility, and how do we do that? And... Yeah, some of the concepts I think are going to still be the same. We'll have users, and we'll have sessions, and we'll have requests, and and, and things, but but how is it going to change? We yeah. You know. Well, I think also what's in, one of the things that's important is a lot of the the design lessons that we've learned, both in terms of um, UX design and in terms of software design. I think we'll still be able to carry over. You know, yeah. so the notions of on the on the developer side, we're still going to want a way to store context. And how do we store that context? And how do we use that context? Yeah. Um, and on the design side, you know, how do we respond? Is it important that we respond? What what does you know a voice invocation mean? What does a voice response mean? These are lessons that we've been learning, and I hope we've been talking about on the show. And I think one of the interesting challenges for me is kind of I, I suggested is how do I take what I've learned for five years and bring it to a completely different platform. App yeah. Actions, you know, so, so Google is um, moving towards this App Actions platform, which is right now it's mostly voice invocations into existing Android apps. So what makes a good invocation? How do I take those invocations and do something with it and how do I acknowledge it what uh, you know one of the one of the things that was mentioned at one of Google's presentations in, in voice global was they commented you know if you're issuing a voice command to a watch it's great to provide an audio and a haptic feedback yep. and I'm like that's of course that makes total sense but that's something that is easy to overlook if you hadn't been learning those lessons for the past five years. True. Um, so I'm excited to 
you know, there are going to be tons of things that are no longer as useful to me anymore. You know, multivocal, sadly, does not make sense in an app action world, at least not yet. And maybe it could, it, in a, it could in a custom assistant world. Yeah. You know, you know, but and but how will it work in a custom assistant world? How do I finish the Alexa integration and get that out there? Yep. Um, what are and what are the lessons that I can take from multivocal? Even if I can't take multivocal, what are the lessons that we've taken about outtents and apply them to this new world? Yep. And I'm excited. A little nervous, but I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, things are things are changing. It's not necessarily an end of an era, but it's an evolution of of the the technology and the platforms and and you know and new platforms and ideas and and approaches to things and and yeah as as we do with as developers, we're constantly learning something new, and that's 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 kind of the wave that we're we're going to need to ride and just you know learn and pick up and. And but the things that we learn are going to be able to help us with uh, right. with what you know, we're doing in the future. As as Brett said, this I, I think Google's action, Google's action, <laughs> um, what Google has done is definitely marking the the end of the beginning in voice. We're we're moving out of that phase, and we're moving into we're very clearly moving into the next phase. And I think what's important is that we take the lessons that we've learned from that first phase and bring them into the next one. That, that we don't require everyone to relearn all the mistakes that we've made. Yes. Um, and I kind of hope that's what we, that's, I kind of hope that's what we've done with this show. And what we'll keep doing is highlighting our mistakes and highlighting those lessons learned and helping people, you know, not have to learn them themselves the hard way. <laughs> yeah, and we'll just explore together what this new world looks like, and uh, and just keep pushing pushing the envelope on on voice and making it the best that it can. And and that's what we'll we'll, we'll catch on future episodes of Two Voice Devs. Two Voice Devs. Congratulations on a hundred episodes, Mark. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Looking forward, and I am sincerely looking forward to the next 100 episodes as well. Me too. Take care. Take care.